Blog Talk Radio. Okay, praise God, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we give you Evangelist Janice Taylor. She's going to give you information about how you can sow to her uh, ministry. If you need deliverance, you can give her a call. Evangelist Janice Taylor, you have the mic, and I'm going to be it. Amen, Apostle. Amen. Get you some rest, man of God. Get you some rest. God bless. God bless you, sir. Well, we Mm -hmm. want to give God praise for all who are here with us tonight. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. We have an exciting program tonight. I am so excited because this word that God has given me has been confirmed. And I just thank God for uh, the confirmation. So I'm going to pass it on to you, and you pass it on to your friends and family, and we're going to watch the hand of God move mightily. So our mailing address is P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105. If you want to sow a seed to this ministry, you can do so through PayPal, and the phone number is 336-830-0601. You can use the email address, J-E-T, all lowercase, 245 at msn.com. You can send a donation through PayPal or through Zelle using that email address. Um, The web address is www.wallsoffiredeliverance.com. We uh, welcome your support. We thank you in advance. If you are being blessed by this ministry, we encourage you to sow a seed. Always sow a seed in good ground. Never scatter your seed or throw your seed to the wind. Make sure that you are led by the Spirit of God and that you sow in good ground. And I declare unto you today, this is good ground. So if God speaks to your heart tonight to um, send a donation, you can send it through PayPal or Zelle using the email address jet245 at msn.com. And we thank God for you in advance, and we thank God for this opportunity to share the word of God with you tonight. So without further ado, let's go right into the word of God. I have already prayed and already ask God's blessings upon this message tonight and upon this audience. So I'm going to do what I always do, and that is blow the shofar, because the Spirit of the Lord says it's time to sound the alarm and blow the trumpet in Zion to wake up the sleeping church, wake up the mighty men of God. So I'm going to blow the shofar at this time, and then we'll get right into tonight's message. Something's not going right there. Glory, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. So we give God to all those who heard the sound of the shofar tonight. I pray that you would take heed and um, wake up the sleeping church. Let the church arise and shine and give God the glory. Those of you who are tuned in and have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, a very uh, familiar passage of scripture uh, from the Old Testament. And God is speaking to his people through this passage. So we want to turn there tonight and let's see, we'll get started. Um, um, we'll get started at the 18th, the 17th verse, chapter 18, starting at the 17th verse. And um, while you're turning there, I'm going to read one other verse from Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, Very also a very familiar passage of scripture for you Bible scholars out there tonight. And it reads, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. So you can see this chapter starts off talking about time, times for this and times for that. There are different times and different seasons. Now let's go to First Kings chapter 18. The Bible tells us that the sons of Issachar knew the times and the seasons. You see, there, there's time as we know it, which is chronological time, which is chronos, and there is kairos, which is season. Um, the Greek word, the Hebrew word for it is moed. Glory be to God. And so we are entering the body of Christ is entering into a new time slash season because God God doesn't deal with us in time. He deals with his people in season. And so in this season, we need to be paying close attention to what God is saying and to what God is doing. Watch what is happening. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Because now is the time, the time 
for the people of God to arise. God is arising, and his enemies are being scattered. So God is doing a new thing here in the earth. We see that revival is breaking forth. Uh, Young people are being saved because they are falling on the altar in repentance. You see, that's the only way revival can begin. All revivals that have ever started from the foundation of the world, all revivals that have ever began, began with prayer. It is the prayer of repentance. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. So we see that happening. The Holy Spirit is convicting uh, the young people particularly, or shall I just say people, is convicting people of their sins, and they are falling on the altar of God, weeping before the Lord like never before. You see, the altar is now being filled with people who want to get right with God. They want to uh, uh, come into divine alignment, and they want to forsake their ways and embrace the ways of God. And so we see that they are crying out to God. So revival is here. And what exactly does that mean? It means it's God's time. Um, So I want to talk to you from this scripture um, tonight from 1 Kings. And we're going to get right into this. Glory be to God. Starting at the 17th verse. And I want to read in your ears what the Spirit has spoken to me concerning this. So we start at the 17th verse, and it says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? It's amazing. It's amazing how this king said that Elijah, the prophet, the man of God, who stood firmly on the word of God, that he was troubling Israel. That reminds me of how the world is calling Christians haters. They're saying that we hate them, but it's not us hating them. We just disapprove of their ungodly lifestyle. So they're calling us haters. They're saying we're intolerant, and they're just, they're saying we're not showing love, and that is just simply not true. The believers are not haters, but of course, now you know the enemy, Satan is a liar, the father of lies, and so he's going to twist things. His job is to steal, kill, and destroy, and to pervert the word of God, so uh Instead of Ahab realizing that he himself has caused this trouble, this trouble Ahab is dealing with is coming from his own camp, particularly his wife. She's caused the trouble, but yet uh, he's calling the prophet of God the troubler. So I just wanted to point that out. And he answered and said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house. You see, Elijah was a man of God. He was filled with uh, 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 the word of God, and I believe he was spirit-filled, even though the Holy Spirit had not yet come 
I believe that for, for that particular purpose that he operated through the spirit of the living God. It's like Saul, uh, when Saul uh, became king, uh, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he prophesied as the prophets did. So uh, Elijah said, I have not troubled uh, Israel. He said, but you and your father's house, he said, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. You see, that's always where the trouble is. The trouble is with those who have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And so Ahab had done that because he had a wicked wife by the name of Jezebel, and she operated in the spirit of witchcraft, and uh, she she uh, actually ran the kingdom. This woman was so uh, wicked, and yet uh, she was powerfully wicked. I'll say that. And she used her wicked power to um, entice her husband to do evil. Ahab was a king in Israel, and God could have used him for good, but he chose to do evil. He followed the practices, the heathen practices of his wicked wife, and eventually it cost him his life, and uh, uh, it cost her her life as well. But he said, you are the one that's causing this trouble in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And then he went on to say, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now, uh, Baalim were local shrines where the cult worship of Baal was carried on. And the Lord led me to um, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. So I want to read that for you about the doctrine of Balaam and what God had to say about that. He spoke to the church at Pergamos, and he said, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there uh, them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. You see, um, Balaam was, uh, 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 he was wicked. He was wicked, and he taught Balak to, uh, um, to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Now, what he did was he actually enticed the uh, Israelite men to uh, participate in the uh, temple prostitution and orgies, sexual orgies um, of the heathen. And so these Midianite women were really sick on uh, uh, the children of Israel, the men of Israel, and they went and they went to their orgies. They danced around this pole that was shaped like a penis, and they literally were worshiping this unknown 
this sexual, this God of sexual immorality. And it caused them to fornicate, to commit fornication. And God said that he hated that. And he told them to repent or else he would come to them quickly and he would fight against them with the sword. So I want to um, delve into that just a little bit. You see, the doctrine of Balaam, it was a compromise of Christianity. Uh, they tried to mix uh, Christianity with paganism. And last week I taught on that, uh, how the Lord said, come out from among them and be ye separate. God was speaking saying no more mixture. And see, that's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to infiltrate the church, the body of believers, and tries to bring in mixture. So the doctrine of Balaam was a mixture of Christianity with paganism, and it resulted in idolatry and immorality, sexual immorality. And Balaam had once succeeded in leading many of these Israelites into these sexual sins. If we go back to Numbers chapter 31, you'll see it there. And um, Peter talked about it in um, 2 Peter. And the entire church is urged to repent of the toleration of these sins and these false teachers who actually tell them that it is okay to do these things. Um, the church must discipline itself and not tolerate these false teachings and immorality within. When the body of Christ knows that a believer, Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians in the fifth chapter. He said that there was a man who was in the Corinthian church who had had sex with his um, father's uh, wife. And he said, and, 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 and you are sitting here, uh, you're, you're, you're not dealing with this man after his sin. You're not um, uh, uh, purging out this, uh, this sinful lifestyle. You're, you're letting this go on in your midst, and you know about it, and you've done nothing. So Paul, he told them um, to uh, put such a one out the church. He said, turn his flesh over to Satan that his soul might be delivered. And Paul went on to say, don't even keep company with a fornicator. So when you know a brother or sister is actively, when you know this, they are actively engaging in sexual sin, the scripture says to separate yourself from them. Now, I know we don't like to hear this because we think that's antiquated and that things have changed, but the word of God has not changed. So while the world has changed, he said, my word will remain forever. It will never change. God is not going to change his word no matter how much the times change. The scripture tells us in 1 Peter 1 and 16, be ye holy, for I am holy. So we cannot serve God and practice sexual immorality. We just cannot. And there are people in the body of Christ who want that to change, but God's word is never going to change. So uh, the entire church 
had to repent uh, for this. And, you know, the world wants us to be tolerant of this. But the scriptures tell us that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So we cannot even tolerate this in our midst because uh, it's like a contagious disease. It will spread like wildfire throughout the body of Christ. So we must not tolerate this false teaching of those who profess to be Christians, and yet they uh, okay this. I've met uh, several uh, women who have called me for deliverance and told me they were involved in sexual sin, either fornication or masturbation. And um, they said they, uh, they just wanted to go on with their ministry. And I said, what ministry? You have no ministry. You cannot have a ministry if you are involved in sexual sin. Now, maybe your pastor doesn't know you're in sexual sin, but God does. And that's who you are to fear. You are to have a reverential fear of God because he can see everything. He knows everything. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. And he is omnipresent. So you can't hide these things from God. And so if you are in the church and you are trying to serve in ministry, if you are in sexual sin, you need to be delivered. You need to be set free. You don't need to be ministering to anyone, especially if it involves laying on of hands, because then you are transferring demonic spirits to those uh, who may be uh, serving under you. So I just want to make that plain because many people, I've met countless people. Uh, one woman, she told me the mothers in the church told them it was okay to masturbate. Where can you find that in Scripture? Masturbation is sexual sin. So where can you find that in Scripture that it's okay to masturbate? But this particular woman, I stood up and I, I called her out on it. I told her that was incorrect. That was not biblical. And uh, a year later, this woman wrote to me, and she told me I was right. So God revealed it to her that masturbation was sexual sin. And when the Holy Ghost reveals these things to you, if you continue in them, not only are you are in sin, but now you have rebelled against the Holy Spirit. So um, Jezebel taught these things. She taught these things, and she had a huge following, particularly of women. Women wanted to hear what she had to say. Uh, uh, her husband, Ahab, he was a coward. He listened to her. He knew the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but yet he listened to this ungodly woman. I just wanted to take a moment to explain to you what the sin of Balaam was. All right, so uh, Elijah told him that um you have forsaken the commandments. Now, this is Elijah talking to the king. Uh, he said, you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Baalim. So now the next verse says, 
Now, um, now therefore sin and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Now, there were prophets of Baal, and they were involved in the worship of Baal. Uh, it was a cult, and they worshiped Baal. Uh, Jezebel implemented that. And the reason that she implemented that is because she was the queen and the daughter of Ethbel, king of Tyre. And Jezebel, she was not an Israelite. So she influenced Ahab to give Baal equal place with God. Now, where have we seen that at before? We saw that in um, 1 Samuel chapter 5 when the Amalekites uh, uh, had, when the Philistines had taken the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the temple of Dagon and they placed the Ark beside uh, Dagon. And the Bible tells us that the next day, Dagon was face down. In other words, he, this, this uh, statue or idol had fallen over face down. So, of course, they stood it back up and placed it beside the Ark of the Covenant, again, which represented God. And then um, the next day they came back in there in this temple, and not only was he falling over again, but he, his head and his hands were broken off. In other words, God was showing them that there is no God like unto him. He is the true and living God. And all the idols have to bow before our God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And scripture tells us that every knee is going to bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So no matter who uh, people are serving now, they are serving, if it's not the God of the Bible, they are serving false gods. And so Ahab was influenced by his wicked wife. And she, he even built a temple to Baal with a wooden image of the Canaanite goddess Asherah. And uh, Asherah, uh, the priest of, of the grove, the prophets of the grove, they were the priests of Asherah. And their cult worship was um, for uh, weather. It was, um, they believed that they were pagan weather deities. And so this is why um, when Elijah the prophet said there would be no rain for the space of three years, they worshipped Asherah and Baal, these pagan weather deities. And here it is, this man of God comes along and says, because you are doing this, there will be no rain for the space of three years, three and a half years. And uh, it was amazing that here Asherah and Baal were supposed to be these weather deities, and they, this is who they worship, and this is who they pray to. But yet, when the prophet of God uh, cursed 
the land and said there would be no rain, uh, these false gods were not able to produce any rain. I thought that was just hilarious. So that showed them right then and there if they were serving false gods because you're worshiping these so-called weather deities who are no deities, they were no gods, but yet the people had gotten involved in this foolishness because of this one woman, uh, Jezebel. And uh, she convinced her husband to give Baal equal place with God, and he even built a temple to Baal and a wooden image of uh, Asherah. So he made an idol out of Asherah. And um, finally, uh, she urged Ahab to oppose the worship of the Lord, to destroy his altars, and to kill his prophets. You see, this woman was wicked, and um, that's why she had such a wicked end. Glory be to God. And so we see that um, Ahab, uh, Elijah, he said, I want you to gather all of Israel unto Mount Carmel. So they're getting ready to be a showdown. And he said, bring the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove. He said, bring everyone that eats at Jezebel's table. And now that is why these false prophets, they um, would prophesy uh, to Jezebel. They had to say what she told them to say because uh, they were being paid by her. And we see a lot of that today. A lot of pastors that have these 5013Cs, um, it's amazing how none of them will speak out against homosexuality. Bishop T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen were both uh, questioned on national television. Um, Joel Osteen was on Larry King Live, and Bishop Jakes, he was also on uh, Larry King Live. He was on a program, and they were questioned about homosexuality. And neither one of them, neither one of them would say that it was wrong. Now, Larry King never possessed, never professed to be a Christian, but he called them out on his program, and both of them, both of them took a dive. Both of them uh, refused to call homosexuality sin. Joel Osteen said that it was not God's best. No, it's not God's best. It's not God's will. Homosexuality is an abomination according to this, but neither one of them would take a definitive stand against it. Bishop Jakes, he had the nerve to say that the church is evolving and that so we need to evolve with the times. The church is not evolving. The church is the same because the Bible says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. God is not changing. Times are changing, but God is not. And the people of God, we have to agree with God. Either we agree with God or we disagree with God. But if you disagree with God, you're in sin. That's unbelief. And so both of these pastors, uh, well-known pastors, 
have huge followings, would not take a definitive stand on the issue of homosexuality. Why? Because they are eating at Jezebel's table. Well, you say, well, Jezebel isn't alive today. What do you mean by that? They're being fed by the government. I remember when uh, it was in 2003, somewhere along in there, 2004, that the government had come up with this thing called faith-based initiatives, and they were giving out of money to churches to do what they said the government could not do. I'm going to tell you something. I recognized it for what it was immediately because whenever the government starts giving out huge sums of money, beware. The government is never going to give the church huge sums of money without there being a hidden price tag. So they were giving out this faith-based initiative money, and uh, I specifically heard Bishop Jakes. I watched it on uh, Tavis Smiley. I uh, specifically saw him say uh, that the church should take this money uh, gladly because uh, it was God providing for the church to do what the government could not do. And I uh, immediately what came to my mind is rat catching, how to catch rats. Now, they've invented several products that you can use to catch rats. The old-fashioned way is put a piece of cheese on a rat trap, and that rat is always going to come for that piece of cheese. They've invented several um, products now that you can go decon and all of this and buy these things to catch rats. But the number one way to catch a rat is still with cheese. And the government was giving out some big chunks of cheese, and they intended to catch them some big rats. And so they did. They caught them some big rats. They caught T.D. Jakes, and they caught Joel Osteen. And what I mean by that is that the, the money was a hook because now that they have taken the bait, good God Almighty, the money was the bait. Now that they have taken the bait, these pastors, which are major influencers, cannot say anything against what's going on. They can't speak against homosexuality, and they cannot speak against abortion. They cannot speak against the government. Why? Because they have taken the money. They have accepted bribes. You see, the scriptures tell us that gifts pervert judgment. So it's a bribe. It's as simple as that. It's a bribe. And so when people are giving out these gifts to these pastors and things of that nature, you have better beware. There's a hidden price tag. I remember when Sun Young Moon came to the United States, how he went straight to the black community and he gave out gold watches. He gave out gold watches in the black churches. And he also caught him some rats because these pastors allowed Sun Young Moon 
to bring in his damnable doctrine. He told them that their marriages were not good and that they needed to be remarried under him and his wife. So there was going to be a large wedding that took place in Times Square. 1,200 pastors who had been married for years were going to allow this man to nullify their marriages and remarry them under him. The only reason that it did not happen is because 9-11 happened. When 9-11 happened, that shut the whole thing down. But before that, they had planned a huge marriage ceremony to take place. 1,200 pastors were going to allow this man to remarry them at Times Square in New York. So you have to be careful when uh, the government or any other individual tries to offer you a huge sum of money uh, free of charge. We're just going to give you this money. We just want you to do what you do, and you don't have to pay the money back. You better believe there's a hidden price tag somewhere. Glory be to God. And if you don't read the fine print, it could cost you your very life. But the Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets unto Mount Carmel. All of these false prophets that were being paid for by Jezebel. Now, Ahab is the king, so they represent, they are the government. They are the government of Israel. You have better be careful of taking uh, things from the government. You don't have to accept everything that the government offers because uh, that is just not wise. I'll tell you that. If you have the Holy Spirit, you better pray for discernment. All right. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. I want to add one more thing about those that eat at Jezebel's table. I remember when Nehemiah the prophet went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around the temple after Nebuchadnezzar had invaded uh, Jerusalem. And um, he said, I thank God that I did not eat the king's bread. But he worked with his own hands, and he made his own money, and he ate only what God provided for him. There is an extreme danger, and I pray that pastors are listening to me tonight. There is an extreme danger in eating at Jezebel's table. You might get full, but you'll be sorry in the end. So I want to put that word out there tonight and warn you about eating at Jezebel's table. Jezebel and Ahab were the government at that time, and the same thing that applied back then applies now. Where God guides, he will provide. Many pastors want these great big churches. They want these beautiful, fancy buildings. They want all of this when they don't have the wherewithal to support that. 
So they go and get money from the federal government. Well, we already know the law says there should be a separation of church and state. But when the government begins to give money to the church, beware, beware. And I'm going to move on. All right. So they got together at Mount Carmel, all of the false prophets. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? In other words, he's saying, how long are you going to keep vacillating between who the true and living God is? So he's talking to the people of Israel. And he said, one minute you say, we are servants of the true and living God. And then another moment, you're bowing down to these false prophets and these false gods and these false deities and all of this ungodly teaching. Jezebel actually taught the doctrine of Balaam and to her followers and to whoever would listen to her. And she fed them because they, they, they listened to her. So he said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? He said, if the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the Bible says, and the people answered him, not a word. Now, that really stuck out to me because I said to myself, why is the church silent when it comes to the issue of homosexuality, when it comes to the issue of abortion? Why was the church so silent? Why weren't the spiritual leaders of our day speaking out against these things? I can tell you why. Because they took the faith-based initiative money. They took the bait, and now they cannot speak against it. So the church has been silent on these issues. The church is silent over the corruption. The church is silent over all these things that we see going on. The church is silent. And so then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. In other words, am I the only one that's going to tell the truth? Am I the only one that's not afraid to be bold in the Lord, to be courageous and say what thus saith the Lord without any fear, without any regard, even for my own life? Am I the only one? This is what the prophet was saying. He said, but Baal's prophets are 450. Then he proposed something. He said, let them therefore give us two bulls. Glory be to God. Now, the bull represented, uh, it was really a, a representation of the great sin at Mount Sinai, of the golden calf. And we hear it today, even in our uh, modern-day times, this bull market. And uh, uh, it's on the New York Stock Exchange. When there's a bull market, it's supposed to be, you know, a good thing. And so what is happening is the prophet, he said, give us two bulls. And he said, and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces 
and lay it on wood, but don't put no fire. And he said, and I will dress the other bullet and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And then he told him, call on the name of your false God, and I will call on the name of the true and living God. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. You see, before they were silent. They wouldn't say anything. But now that Elijah has put this out, he has proposed this showdown, this contest on Mount Carmel. The people said, it is well spoken. All right? So then Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourself. Get one bull for yourself and dress it first. For ye are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they got the bull and they dressed it and um, they began calling on the name of Baal. But Baal is a false god. He cannot hear. He's man-made. He has to be carried everywhere. He cannot see. He cannot talk. He, is, he has no life in him because he's just an idol, just a dumb idol. And so um, they called on Baal, and they said, oh, Baal, hear us. Now, this is what I love about this. Elijah let the false prophet go first. Somebody better hear me tonight. The devil and those false prophets, they went first. They went first because the false prophets began to prophesy unto the people of God. They began to tell them things like, your breakthrough is on the way, and you're going to become a millionaire, and I see a large check. All of these things, I see a man, a tall, dark man is about to come into your life, and um, you're about to be rich, and all your bills are going to be paid. The false prophets went first. And let me tell you what they did. There's an indictment against them, a righteous indignation against them, because what they did was they caused the children of God to sin to look in another direction instead of looking unto God, who is the author and finisher of our faith. They began to look in another direction. They began to look to these false prophets. They began to run after prophets. They began to follow them from city to city. They gave their money. Some people drew out of their 401k. They sold their house. They just followed these false prophets, and these false prophets promised them wealth, and nobody got rich but the false prophets. They, they uh, uh, actually raped and robbed and pillaged God's people. They raped whole churches. They took the money, and they absconded. They bought jet airplanes. They bought large mansions to live in. They paid for all sorts of ungodly secret rendezvous. They did all sorts of wickedness in the dark. They began to do things that are not even written in the scriptures. And they did things against the people of God. And the people 
followed the false prophets because they took their eyes off of the prize of the high calling, which is Christ Jesus, and they began to follow another. It, it's the same way they were enticed by these false prophets. It's the same way the Pied Piper lured the children out of the city, and they began to follow this Pied Piper because of the music. Well, that's what the false prophets did. They piped this music. They piped these lies. They piped these false prophecies. They piped things into the people of God's ears that God had not spoken. The word of the Lord says in Jeremiah 23, I have not spoken to them. I have not told them these things. And yet these false prophets went first. But somebody ought to hear me tonight when I tell you it's God's time. Glory be to God. Remember, we started this message out with time, talking about time and seasons, talking about chronos and kairos. I declare unto you tonight, to those that are listening under the sound of my voice, it is God's time. Glory be to God. There's about to be a showdown. We're about to see who the true and living God is. Some people, they they don't walk by faith. Believers, we walk by faith and not by sight. But you got some, they said, I got to see something. Give me a sign. They're about to get a sign, my God. And it's going to be a sign that they will never forget because the false prophets went first, and now it's God's time. So Elijah spoke unto them. He said, choose you one bull for yourself and dress it first. He was such a gentleman. He allowed the false prophets to go first. And he said, for ye are many. Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under. And they took the bull which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. That's three hours. And they began to say, oh, Baal, hear us. But the scripture says that there was no voice nor any that answered. You see, there is no power. There's no power in an idol. There's nothing to fear about an idol. An idol is nothing. It's just what it says. It's just an idol. It is not the true and living God. It has no power. And then the scripture says that idol did not answer them. And then they leaped upon the altar. So they began to dance and leap. They worked themselves into a frenzy. And it came to pass that at noon, Elijah, he began to mock them. He told them, cry louder. He said, for he is a God, right? He said, maybe he's talking. Maybe he is doing it. Maybe he is on a journey. Maybe he's busy. Or maybe he sleeps and somebody needs to wake him up. And the scripture said, and they cried louder. And then, if that wasn't enough, they began to cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances. They took knives and swords, 
and they cut themselves until the blood gushed out upon them. You see, Satan, he requires blood. Those of you who are serving these false gods, if you look, you'll see that's happening today. Look at all of this piercing that's going on. That's blood. All of the tattoos, that's blood. Satan is marking his people. All of these things that are producing blood. And they cried louder and cut themselves till the blood gushed out. Body piercing is mutilating our children, sacrificing them on the altars of Baal. That's all that is. All of these piercings and all of these tattoos, they have to use a needle, which will, when it pricks the skin, there's going to be blood. There's going to be blood. And the Bible says that we have the blood. We have the blood of the lamb. We have been redeemed with the precious blood of the lamb. So we don't have to cut ourselves. We don't have to make engravings in our skin. We don't have to pierce ourselves because the blood of Jesus Christ has already been shed for us. The scripture says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. So we see that the devil is offering the imitation, the zirconian. They're cutting themselves to offer their blood to this false God that cannot hear, he cannot talk, he cannot move, he cannot do anything, he cannot think, he must be carried everywhere. And now, as if that wasn't enough, they cried so loud, now they begin to cut themselves, offering blood sacrifices. It is the spirit of seduction, enticement, and alluring. They're offering sacrifices. They're offering blood sacrifices to their God, the false God. My God, this is so amazing. And we see this being played out right before us, right before our very eyes. So let's continue. And Elijah said, And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the evening sacrifice. So they had carried on all day long. They had literally worked themselves into a frenzy. You see, the evening sacrifice was the main time of daily religious observance. So Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So Elijah took 12 smooth stones, and he repaired the altar of God. He built an altar according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. So he took 12 stones uh, after that represented um, the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. So he took 12 stones, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and he built an altar unto the Lord. And he put, he made a trench around it that could hold at least two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces, and he laid them on the wood. And then he did something extremely, extremely exciting to me. He said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Now, you know, anybody that knows anything about wood, if you pour water on wood, it is not going to burn. Wood has to dry out. It will burn. That is why you start a fire with twigs. You get twigs that are dry out, and then you find a log that's good and dried out. Because if that wood has any amount of moisture in it, it will not burn. As a matter of fact, it will smother out your fire. So he took the wood, he took the bull, and he he cut it in pieces. He laid the wood out there. He put the bull on top of the wood, and then he took four barrels of water and poured it on the sacrifice and on the wood. Then he told them, do it a second time. So now that's eight barrels of water. And then they did it the second time. And then he said, do it the third time. So that's 12 barrels of water. In other words, the altar, the wood, and the sacrifice are saturated with water because Elijah wants to make sure that in the end, that there is no doubt in the minds of the people who the true and living God is. So the water ran round the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near. This is about 3 p.m., and said, he prayed, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things according to thy word. He said, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou hast turned their hearts back again. In other words, he said, God, don't do this for me. Do this for the sake of these people, that they may know that you are the true and living God. And the Bible says, then the fire of the Lord fell. Now remember, the initial uh, competition, Elijah says that the God that rains down fire, let him be God. So now God 
has rained down fire because Baal didn't do nothing. He didn't speak. He didn't move. He didn't answer. He didn't do anything. He didn't even yawn. That's because he was not alive. But the God, who is the true and living God, the God of Israel, has now rained down fire. And this is what Elijah said. The God that answers by fire, let him be God. And the people said, it is well spoken. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell, and the wood and the stone and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. So he put 12 barrels of water on the sacrifice, on the altar, and in the trenches. And when the fire fell, it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Other words, there is no mistake. You cannot possibly get this wrong. There's no mistaking who the true and living God is. Not only did he rain down fire, he couldn't stop right there, but he licked up the water, he burnt up, he consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the dust, and the water that was in the trench. And when all the people, all of Israel, remember all of Israel is standing around watching this, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. So now there's been a showdown because Baal did nothing. Baal did absolutely nothing. Why? Because Baal was nothing but an idol. And the people see with their own eyes who the true and living God is. So Elijah said to them, take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Yes, Elijah slew them. He got rid of them because they were false prophets, and they had enticed Israel to sin against God. They had enticed Israel to forsake the commandments of the Lord and to commit things that had been sacrificed to idols and fornication. And Elijah the prophet got rid of them. Glory be to God, because he understood that a little leaven leavened the whole lump. And that is the way that we have to be with sin. We have to see sin for what it really is. It is dangerous to let sin remain in the camp of the Lord. We have to get rid of everything that is not of God. Glory be to God. You see, God let the devil go first. The false prophets went first. They prophesied to God's people. They stole money from the people of God. They deceived them with trickery. And they promised them 
money coming. They lied telling the people of God that if they sowed large seed, their offerings, uh, in their offerings, that they would become millionaires. They promised them wealth and caused God's people to sin. Glory be to God. They made them look to the false gods of money, sex, power, and position, fame, and wealth. They looked at the idols in God's house, so God shut them down. On April the 19th, April the 13th, 2020, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, many of the churches I am shutting down, and they will never reopen because they have idols and false fire on the altar. This is what God told me on April 13, 2020. We were right in the middle. Matter of fact, it had just gotten started, the pandemic. And God was allowing churches to be shut down. And he said to me, many of them will never reopen. He said, because he was doing it. He was shutting them down. He said, because they have idols and false fire on the altar. Now, what is the idol? Well, I'll tell you a few of them. They're bringing in demonic music. They're bringing in these uh, unsaved people in the house of God. They're bringing rap artists. They're bringing in comedians. They're bringing in all this stuff. Some are even worshiping their own pastors. They are bowing down before them, worshiping them as if they are God, and they are not. You see, idols are not, they're bringing in the Freemasons. They're bringing in the Eastern stars in the house of God. They're letting them conduct ceremonies and perform their rituals in the house of God. These are idols in the house of God. And God is not pleased. So he's shutting down these churches. He's shutting down many ministries. He's shutting them down. Because God said, I am jealous for you. I am the Lord their God, and there is none other. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. People have made idols out of other people. They are worshiping them. They are bringing them in the house of God, and they have the nerve to try to manufacture a move of God by bringing in the smoke machines and these false prophets who have prophesied in the name of the Lord to the people of God. Let's talk about this false fire. Y'all remember Nadab and Abihu. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 10. Glory be to God. Leviticus chapter 10. Oh, glory. And it says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, either of them his censor, 
and put the fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord. Here it is, fire again. Fire from the Lord. And devoured them, and they died. My God. I don't know about you, but God ain't nothing to play with. So I want to read you again what they did. Nadab and Abihu were the sons of Aaron, and they took their censers and put fire therein and put incense on it and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not. They were not even authorized to do this because they were not high priests. They were just sons of Aaron. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died. My God. They died. They died. So let's talk about this. Nadab and Abihu, their senses, they were like little flat pans for which they carried burning coals in. And the strange fire was that they were not authorized. Only the high priest could place incense on a censer, coals, and present it to God. And Nahab and Abihu, they were not authorized to do it. It was strange fire because he commanded them not to do it. He told Aaron and Moses to do it. And they knew that it was a violation of God's word. And this is why God said, I will be sanctified in them that come not me. Now, They had to be purified. They had to be uh, uh, washed. They had to have the ceremonial cleansing. They had to be washed. They had to have the blood of the sacrifice sprinkled upon them, and they did not. So they came before the Lord unclean and tried to offer God incense and fire in their censer and they were not authorized to do it. So two things have happened here. First of all, they were not authorized to offer this fire unto the Lord. And the second thing is they were not cleansed by the blood from the sacrificial lamb. And God killed them. They died. They died instantly. Tells me something. God is nothing to play with. God is absolutely nothing to play with. So when we see the fire of the Lord, the Bible says that our God, Hebrews 12 and 29, our God is a consuming fire. This is where the reverential fear of the Lord must come back to the house of God. 
You see, too many people are taking God for granted. Oh, we can do this. Oh, we can do that. No, we cannot do any of that. We cannot do things that God didn't authorize us to do. And when we do, we are in the danger of hellfire. Now, I know somebody don't like this tonight, but I got to tell you the truth. It does not pay to play with God. God is loving and God is kind. He is generous. He is meek and lowly. But guess what? There is a wrath side of God that you don't want to experience. Jonathan Edwards preached the message, woe unto sinners that fall into the hands of an angry God. You don't want to make God angry. And there are certain things that we as believers simply do. Remember the man that reached out and tried to catch the Ark of the Covenant uh, and when it was falling off the cart? He fell dead. End of story. He fell dead. And all he was trying to do was catch it so that it wouldn't topple to the ground. But he wasn't authorized to carry that off. He wasn't because the presence of the Lord was in that ark. God and touched God, and he died instantly. So people that are playing church, playing with God, living in sin, in known sin, you know you in sin. You fornicating, you lying, you committing acts of homosexuality and doing all sorts of other perverted things and then want to jump up in God's house and sing in the choir and usher on the usher board and preach in the pulpit. All I can say to you is woe unto you. Woe unto you. I thank God for grace and mercy, but for those that presume upon the grace and mercy of God, woe unto you. Our God consuming fire, and you don't want to play with him. So that's the false fire we see in the church today. We see them trying to manufacture a move of God. We see preachers who are in sin laying hands on people. I had that happen to me. This girl was out of her mind. And she tried to lay hands on me. I rebuked her immediately. I came out of the spirit so fast, I told her, get your hands off of me. She had an unclean spirit. She was demon-possessed. And she ran up to the altar and tried to lay hands on me. The nerve of that devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I did not apologize for it. She was not authorized to lay hands on me. She was not authorized to be at that altar. And neither was Nadab and Abihu. They were not authorized. And you got preachers that are not authorized to do what they are doing. They're in sin. You got pastors that are not authorized. Some were sent and others just went. People think this is a lucrative profession. Let me tell you something. It takes a lot 
to be a man or woman of God, to be a preacher, an evangelist, a minister, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher. It takes a lot of sacrifice. You got to fast. You got to pray. You got to love people that don't love you. You got you to gotta turn the other cheek when people betray you and stab you in the back and tell lies on you. They say they're going to be there for you. They're going to help you when you need help. When you call them, they won't even answer the phone. And then a few months down the line, they're calling you again for prayer. They always want prayer, but they don't want to live holy. They want you to cast the devil out of them, but they don't want to live holy. They go right back to it like a dog returning to its own vomit. All this demonic music that's being brought into the temple of God. What is the church doing bringing comedians in God's house? Where is that at in the scripture? Why is the church reaching out to people like Kanye West? Why is the church telling this man he's a preacher and allowing him to preach in their pulpit? That man is out of his mind. He don't know from one day to the next day what he's going to do. Snoop Dogg made a gospel CD, and everybody was hollering, oh, he's saved, he's saved, he's saved. Snoop Dogg ain't bit more saved than this ink pen I got in my hand. He has a porn business. He has invested into pornography, and he's one of the major distributors of CBD. So just because they say they say, the Bible says, try the spirit by the spirit and see if it be of God. You got to wait on some stuff. Don't just embrace everything that come your way. Watch as well as pray and wait. Wait for the fruit. Scriptures say you are no a tree by the fruit it bears. I'm telling you something. An apple tree don't have to go around saying, I'm an apple tree, I'm an apple tree. A pear tree don't have to go around proclaiming, oh, I'm a pear tree, I'm a pear tree. You'll know it's an apple tree when you see some apples on it, and you'll know it's a pear tree when you see the pears hanging on it. You will know them by their fruit. The man still smoking blunt? He has hired a professional blunt roller, but y'all said he was saved. My Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you were smoking blunts before you got saved, you can't be smoking blunts after you got saved because 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says all things become new. If you was drinking liquor before you got saved, you can't be a Christian drinking liquor. If you was cussing like a sailor before you got saved, there's no such thing as a cussing like a sailor Christian. There's no such thing. I had somebody try to tell me, 
I asked them, uh, my cousin said she was getting married, and I asked her, uh, was the guy she was marrying, was he a Christian? She told me that he was a Muslim Christian. I told her there is no such thing. There is no such thing. He's either a Muslim or he is a Christian, but there is no such thing. There can be no mixture. The scriptures tell us to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I didn't write this. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. We got to live holy. We got to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. We have been bought with a price. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that redeems us in salvation. So we can't do anything we want to do. Know ye not that ye are not your own? When I was in the world, I did whatever I wanted to do. But now that I'm born again, I am governed by the spirit of the living God. And that's who I take my my orders from and the word of God. So when I want to go to the left, I can't go. When I want to detour to the right, I can't. Because the Holy Ghost is leading, teaching, and guiding me. He is directing me. He convicts me. The problem is, People don't have the Holy Ghost. They just in the church. You just got people that go to church. They just religiously go to church. Not filled with the Holy Spirit of God and want to live like the world and then jump up in church and shouting all around the church and God is not pleased. God is not in the entertainment. Now is the time for the true worshipers to come forth. Are there any true worshipers under the sound of my voice tonight? Is there anybody who loves Jesus? You just want Jesus, not his son, but you just want him. You see, it's God's time. It's time out for all of this foolishness. It's time out for playing church. It's time to be the church. Jesus is coming back for his bride, whose garment has been washed in the blood of the Lamb. She has been purified. He's not coming back for a dirty bride. It's God's time. And perhaps you've been wondering why all sorts of stuff has been happening to you. And why you seem to have it so hard. It was because God let the enemy Go first. He did the same thing with Job. He said, have you considered my servant, Job? Everything you've been through, everything you suffered and struggled with, it was not unto death. It was not because God had something against you. God knows what he's doing. He knows that the greater one 
lives inside of you. And God knows what he put in you. He has made a, tre- a tremendous investment in you. You see, God is in control. And he has all power in heaven and in earth. And the enemy, he shot his best shot. He threw everything at you but the kitchen sink. But it didn't work. Good God Almighty. Couldn't work. Because if God be for you, he's more than the whole world against you. God is with you. So you couldn't fail. You couldn't die. If the enemy wanted to kill you, you couldn't die. God has kept you alive for such a time as this. That's for those of you who are serving the Lord in the beauty of holiness and righteousness. Now, those of you that are playing church, it's another story for you. So it's God's time now. And I encourage you to watch God work. That showdown that they had on Mount Carmel, God is about to have a showdown with you. He's going to show the devil and the world that you belong to him. God is about to do something so miraculous, so mighty, that nobody's going to have to guess if you're a child of God or not. The world will know who our God is. They will no longer halt between two opinions. Glory be to God. You see, he was settled on Calvary. He was settled on Calvary. All the false gods, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't have endured what Christ went through on Calvary. The false prophets went first. They lied. And they rob God's people. Now it's God's time. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Somebody give God some praise. Somebody thank him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ahab, Saul, and Jezebel had the throne, but they had no anointing. They were just seat warmers. And now, because it's God's time, they got to get up out of your seat, out of our seat. Hallelujah. They deceived the people of God. They were trying to merge state and church and state. They have been trying to crush the church, but it can't work. I ain't going to say it didn't work. I say it can't work. Glory be to God. And the church seemed like it was going down, seemed like she's on life support. But I'm going to tell you something. The church is alive and well. There's a revival looming on the horizon. The church is being revived. Good God Almighty. The people of God, God is raising up an army. He said, I got 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. We are not following Baal. We are following the Lord Jesus Christ. 
our Savior and our soon-coming King. Glory be to God in the highest. The church should be shouting right now. There is a move of God taking place. Let me tell you something. I saw the fire. I saw it fall from heaven. I saw it. God showed it to me in a dream. This revival is going to spread like wildfire. Hallelujah. And it will ignite everything that's in its path. It will also burn up that which is not of God. Glory be to God. So I just want to encourage you tonight that the showdown has begun. God is raising up these young people. Everybody was calling them Generation Z, speaking things against them. They were beyond hope. They were beyond reach. The devil is a liar. God has the last word. And he is raising them up to show forth his glory. And some of them are tatted up. Some of them have tattoos. They don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They may not even smell like us, but guess what? God is raising up an army, my God, and they will do exploits in his name. They don't want church. They don't want churchianity. They don't want nothing that is man-made. They just want Jesus. They don't want this entertainment. They're not interested in that. These people are falling on the altar of God where the fire is because they want the fire to burn up their sacrifice. They want to be purified in the fire. They want God to do a work in them. They believe that he can and that he will. Some of them are messed up, jacked up, toe up from the flow up. But they want God. They want him. They want holiness. They want righteousness. They know they've been lied to. And what they have seen in the churches, they don't want. They don't want religion. They want Jesus. Glory be to God. And I declare unto you tonight, that is God's time. He let the devil go first. He let the false prophets go first. And their God did not answer. And now it's God's time. This is the showdown. The God who rains down fire on the altar is burning up sin burning up what's man-made, tearing down the groves, tearing down the rituals. He's burning it up. He's burning up that mess. All of the religious rituals, he's burning that mess. He said, away with it. He's burning it up. And he is raising up a people unto himself who just want him. 
Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, born of the water and of the spirit. Glory be to God in the highest. And God is raising up a people who just want Jesus. They're repenting on the altar. Altar is open again. Many churches shut down the altar. I preached at a church one time and brought the people of God to the altar. After the service, they told me they hadn't been to the altar in 15 years. They had not prayed on the altar in 15 years. How can you be saved? How can you have a church and not bring the people of God to the altar? Where the fire is. But God is raising up these altars again. Elijah built an altar with 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. He built that altar in the name of the Lord. He put the sacrifice on it. He put the wood, and then he doused it, 12 barrels of water. And then he prayed. And the God that answered by fire is the true and living God. It's God's time. May God bless you. I pray that this message has ministered to you and that you hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church tonight. It's God's time. Good night. God bless you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.